0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital
1: University. And I'm Rosie Candlethal, PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible at Emory University. This week, we are bringing you preaching and teaching tips for the first reading for January 15th, 2023. And Rachel is up to wrestle with this week's word. What do you have for us, Rachel?
0: Well, so it's really interesting, Rosie, because I've been thinking about your past episode that you did for last week, the reading for this week, and then all of that in the context of a class that I just finished teaching called Theology of the Prophets. So a lot of Isaiah, a lot of Jeremiah, uh, a lot of kind of stuff there. One of the things that teaching that class regularly, it's been something I've taught almost every year since I started teaching, and one of the things that, that has forced me to do is to really slow down and listen to the prophetic texts instead of just trying to harvest preaching tips out of them like you do when you have to preach every week, uh, which is what I did in the parish. And one of the things mm-hmm. that I've realized is how often we as preachers try to take the first-person narratives of the prophets and immediately make them relevant to our individual faith lives. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, and I thought last week you made a really great argument for the benefits of doing that, for the ambiguity, especially in Isaiah, which is what we're dealing with today is another servant song from Isaiah, and that the ambiguity of that servant allows us to really see ourselves in the text. I don't want us to stop doing that, but I might want us Mm. to caution ourselves, dear listeners, from doing it every time because i think sometimes mm. there there isn't a one to one connection between the lives of the prophet and the lives of the faithful today or that perhaps there's more that should be said there and we shouldn't stop at that one to one correspondence
1: that's well said yeah i think that that's a valuable point that you're making too is that there is a distinction between The context of these ancient passages, Uh, so to immediately just jump to, oh yeah, I see myself in this. Um, Yeah, I I think you're cautioning us in a really important way, and I'm assuming that today's text, Isaiah 49, is one of the ones that you're cautioning us about.
0: I think so. I think one of the things that made it such a productive endeavor last week for us to invite listeners, uh, you listeners, into the text and to see yourself in the text was that context of baptism where you grounded. Us so clearly, Rosie. Like there was a, a collective tradition that we were being grounded in, so that it wasn't just me and Jesus through the the, or me and God through the lens of Isaiah, but it was this, this very deep sense of collective and of ancient collective, going back all the way to Isaiah. This week's text, the liturgical context does not give us that communal grounding. And so mm. I'd be a little bit more Uh, hesitant to make that jump directly from Isaiah to today's faith lives. And and I'm hesitant for two reasons. One, the text itself, and two, the gospel text with which it has been paired. I I think the gospel text gives us a clue as to why this Isaiah text was chosen by the Revised Common Lectionary editors for today. And spoiler alert, it doesn't have to do with our individual faith lives as, as people of faith. Before we get there, though, let's start with the text itself. In the text, the prophet proclaims something to both nations far away and to creation itself. So it's to creation, both human and non-human. The the word that's used here is a really fun one in Hebrew. It's, It's translated as coastlands in um, the NRSV, and the Hebrew is eim, which is a, first of all, just a really fun word to say, Iyim. Um, so, you know, y'all, if you're looking for a children's, uh, children's sermon, teach them the word Iyim, and then just tell them to say that to their parents for as many times as they can that day. <laughs> Don't do that, but perhaps maybe use it in the children's sermon. Iyim really means something like islands. Uh, Halot is a a venerable Hebrew-English dictionary, it's kind of the gold standard, and it tells us uh, that, quote, in the Old Testament, the most distant parts of the world of the West are the islands and the coasts of the Mediterranean Sea. So rather than coastlands, which makes us think of like the coastland of Israel because it's on the Med, Iyim is better translated here as distant islands. The the prophet is about to shout something from the rooftops, and they want even the farthest people, even the farthest parts of land, to hear what they are about to say.
1: So, okay, what are they about to say? Okay,
0: well, so the prophet goes on to describe their call story, and it's a call story that begins from a very, very early age, from the womb, in fact, a point that's repeated in both verses 1 and 5. And here's where correlating this particular point in the prophet's life to our life gets sort of tricky. Now, I will say that the prophet themselves does expand this because it says, you know, the prophet known as Israel. So they're trying to bring the community in. But at the same time, if we just focus on the prophet for a moment, very few people in ancient Israel were actually called to be prophets. It was enough to support the formation of a guild, to be sure, and there were, of course, more of them than are actually named in the Bible, books that are named after prophets. But still, it's not like it was an everyday kind of job. Or better yet, it's not. it was not seen as a vocation or a calling the way we talk about how every Christian is a child of God or every Christian is called to proclaim the Word no matter what their actual career is. In ancient Israel, if you were a prophet, it was both your calling and a career. So the temptation that I could see preachers falling into here is to really leaning into this idea about how we are all called to proclaim the word of God, how we are all as Christians being given, and as Isaiah says, as a light to the nations that God's salvation may reach to the very ends of the earth. I would hesitate to do that here. There are other chapters chapters other verses that lift up that calling for God's people, but this one is really unique to the prophet themselves or maybe to the the people of Israel themselves and their particular calling.
1: Huh, so so we as readers are sort of left as listeners then and and you're cautioning us from just quickly and easily inserting ourselves and our life story into this Isaiah 49. Text.
0: Yeah, especially about that final verse, as a light giving you as a light to the nations that God's salvation may reach to the very end of the earth. The other reason that I'm feeling hesitant about doing that this week is because of the gospel text um, with which it is paired. So that gospel lesson for today comes from John 1, verses 29 to 42. And it's the section where John the Baptist is waxing poetic about Jesus, saying things like, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I come baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And his disciples saying, we have found the Messiah.
1: Right. So I get it. So this is sort of the New Testament version of being given as a light to the nations, that God's salvation may reach to the ends of the earth.
0: Exactly. And it's focused on one person, namely Jesus. So, my hunch, and I think it's a correct one, is that the lectionary authors paired this Isaiah text with the John text, not to help us see ourselves in the biblical narrative in Isaiah, but to help us understand something about Jesus. That Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And what does taking away the sin of the world look like? It looks like salvation that stretches to the farthest peoples, to the most distant islands. Who is the Lamb of God proclaimed in John? Well, it's the one who is being formed in Mary's womb to bring back all peoples into loving relationship with God. Who is this Messiah? This Messiah, Jesus, is the one who is given as a light to the nations. To insert ourselves into this moment is, I think, not understanding the very high stakes that both of these texts
1: assume. Right, that actually is very helpful, right? So you're also making a distinction between the importance of understanding the particularities of this text Mm. before jumping towards some universal, right? Yeah. And I'm assuming you're also going to caution us against reading Isaiah as, quote, predicting, right? Sort of as as kind of seeing (laughs) Jesus in this text.
0: In the crystal ball, I see one in the future who shall bring light to the nations. Yes, absolutely, that's the other tricky part. Isaiah was definitely not predicting a Jesus from 500 years into the future. Instead, Isaiah was being inspired to describe his own time. And what the Holy Spirit did over the years was continue to use those words to open new insights about God, about Jesus, to God's people. And we could even say much like the Spirit is still doing today. So it's a tricky sermon line to walk, my dear preachers, and you have my heartiest handshake and my most fervent good luck as you tackle any of these texts. Now, if this all seems too daunting, then take my next best advice, just preach the psalm.
1: <laughs> Rachel's advice is often to preach the psalm, which is pretty wonderful and a fantastic thing to, to do in <laughs> any case, right? So uh... thanks for that, Rachel. And yes, preachers, best of luck with this one. <laughs> Let us know through email at firstreadingpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or Facebook if anything structure is particularly helpful we'd love to know where you take this uh, set of readings. While you're at it, check out our website. And if you're feeling fancy, click on the donate button. That can help us sustain what we do here at First Reading. Another great way to support us is to share our podcast with someone else who might enjoy it. Thanks, as always, to Tim McNinch, our co-host and producer extraordinaire. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, I'm Rosie Campbell, And I'm Rachel Wren.
0: Happy preaching.